Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked. A podcast where listeners discover how enterprise leaders are confidently automating document intake and accelerating their workflows to increase capacity and drive top-line revenue. I'm co-host Michelle Govea. And I'm co-host Chris Wells. Welcome to the podcast. RIMS is global. Discover why 10,000 of your peers in more than 60 countries are part of the world's largest risk management community. Visit rims.org slash membership to find the best membership for you and your organization. Coming to you from RIMS headquarters in New York, this is RIMSCast, the official podcast of the Risk and Insurance Management Society. I am Justin Smollison, business content manager here at RIMS and your proud RIMSCast host. This is episode 246, and we'll talk about technological innovation and risk with Tom Wild, the CEO of Indico Data. But first, there are a lot of exciting RIMS events to discuss. Registration is open for the RIMS Canada Conference 2023, which will be held this year, September 11th through the 14th in Ottawa. For more details about sponsorship, attendance, and general information, visit rimscanadaconference.ca. We want to see you there. On September 14th, the Spencer Educational Foundation returns to New York City for its annual Funding Their Future Gala. This wonderful event will be held at the Cipriani at 42nd Street in New York City. A link is on this episode's notes. You can also visit spencered.org. The RIMS Western Regional Conference will be held October 4th through the 6th in Vail, Colorado. Visit rimswesternregional.com for more information and to register. And you can head over to the rims.org slash advocacy page to find some more information about the RIMS Legislative Summit, which is returning to Washington, D.C., October 25th and 26th. And we are very excited for the RIMS ERM Conference 2023, which will be held November 2nd and 3rd in Denver, Colorado. This year's theme is Elevate and Evolve. Registration will open soon, as will a call for nominations for the ERM Award of Distinction. Visit the events page on rims.org for more information. All right, on with the show. The prominence of chat GPT and AI in business has all sorts of upside and downside risk. Here to discuss it is Tom Wild, the CEO of Indico Data. He is based in Boston, Massachusetts, and he is here to lend his insight. I'm also going to ask the question on everyone's mind. Has the future arrived? Let's find out. Tom Wild. Welcome to Rimscast. All right. Tom Wild of Indico Data is here. Tom, welcome to Rimscast. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Excellent. So, Tom, before we jump in and talk about chat GPT and automation and AI, give us a little sense of your background, please. Yeah, perfect. Um, So I've been in the software space for my entire career, beginning out in the consumer Internet side of things and then moving into the enterprise software space, um, primarily focused on content technologies. So search, personalization, video uh, have been the bulk of what I've focused on in my career. What drew you to that? I would say I've been fascinated with trying to sort out the human machine challenge between the way we as people produce and consume digital content and the way machines make sense of it. Um, I don't think I started out thinking about 
the path that way. But in retrospect, it turns out that that's been a common thread through all of the the businesses that I've built is this uh, sort of enduring interest in in solving that uh, particular challenge. Fascinating. All right. And then then there's always the responsibility of being a, a CEO. What, what, what are some of the, the, the pros and cons to that sort of thing? Well, there's many different ways to be a CEO. You can be interested in you know, larger companies and, and sort of optimizing performance. You can be interested in the earlier stage and, and building. And that's really been, been where I've focused and where my passion is. I, I would describe myself as a builder. I really like this idea of finding disruptive technologies and turning them into something that, that the market finds useful and, and valuable. Excellent. So that brings us to something like chat GPT. We were talking last week as we were getting acquainted. Give us a high level overview of what's happening and why chat GPT seems to be emerging so prominently. I think you, you might be the type of person who says, well, it, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah, it feels like it did, right? I mean, we, right. we all sort of woke up and, and ChatGPT was launched and it felt like, uh, you know, where did this come from? Um, the reality is, you know, the, the fundamental building blocks for this, deep learning, large language models, generative AI, you know, these, these have been in development for the past decade or so. Um, it just so happened, as often is the case with, with new technology, that um, everything uh, came together at the right time to create, you know, what some people call sort of the iPhone moment for artificial intelligence, meaning right. we all suddenly were able to very tangibly experience and recognize the value of, of the developments that have been happening over the past decade and really uh, came together, you know, suddenly. I think that ChatGPT in particular, um, there was an invisible tipping point that none of us could see until it happened, which is the large language model underpinning ChatGPT, which, which at the time was GPT-3 and now GPT-4, um, had reached a, a sort of a critical mass and a critical set of, of, of performance capabilities that suddenly made it viable, right? And uh, uh, it, it looked interesting and then became viable. Uh, and, and that's often the case with, you know, major technology breakthroughs is several things come together to, to make it possible. All right. So let's talk about how chat GPT impacts an enterprise. Why are there risks and what are the upside and the downside risks for chat GPT being used by any kind of enterprise? Yeah, we're in a classic phase right now where there's just, you know, incredible expectations and excitement about it with good reason. You know, this is a profound moment in, in technology innovation. I would say it's as big as as the browser. It's as big as the smartphone. Right. So this is kind of the, the third one that I uh, that I would put on that sort of scale of of disruption. Um, the, the biggest impact for the enterprise and, the, and in my opinion, the right way to think about this is this is a fundamentally new software programming paradigm. It is not a Swiss army knife application that can solve everything. Right. Um, th th I think it's, it's gotten a little bit of that veneer right now. And, and, and that's for the enterprise, not really the case yet. Um, what is profound is that for the first time, we have a programming language that is based on data um, and uses the English language as, as the programming interface. Um, that's really profound, right? Because uh, if you think about it, um, I, I looked this up the other day. There's about 25 million software engineers in the world, 
um, you know, the numbers range from say 20 to 35, but 25 seems to be the consensus. That's the number of people who are skilled in, in the, in the, the art of software programming, you know, as we knew it before ChatGPT. Um, fast forward, there's, you know, several billion English language speakers on earth. Uh, and suddenly all of them conceivably can, can program using ChatGPT. So that's, what's really profound here is there's a new programming language in town and it's much more accessible, you know, to the, to the full breadth of, of the enterprise employee base, um, which creates some interesting challenges as well, but that's the right way to think about it. Right. So let's talk about those challenges because it can, the obvious example is it could be used for good or used for evil, but we're past that point. <laughs> let's assume most people are trying to use it for good. It may not always end up that way, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, there's a, there are a couple, couple things to think about here. L- let's just use my software programming paradigm for a second. If you think about that, um, if overnight all of your employees are software programmers conceptually, you're not going to suddenly let all of your employees push code directly into production, right? I mean, any, anyone who understands the software development process would say that's insane. But, but that is the risk here, that there suddenly needs to be some, some thought process and some structure around, well, who can create prompts? What data can be fed to these cloud large language models? What is the audit trail for what prompt was used to create what outcome, what prediction at what time? So, you know, from that standpoint, Using software development paradigms makes a lot of sense here in terms of how to govern this and how to make it, you know, how, how to deal with compliance and, and so forth. As it, as it relates to generative AI in particular, while we have this huge benefit of programming with data, we also have to be aware of what that means, which is that the data becomes really important in understanding how this new programming language behaves, uh, you know, in the sense that it's only as good as the data it was trained on. Um, which means that if you think about the data it was trained down as the breadth of English language content on the internet, and, and I say that, I, I highlight English language in particular because English is still about 80% of, of the total uh, digital content on the internet. Wow. Um, then we have to think about, well, what does the internet represent in terms of our understanding of, of human knowledge and human behavior? Um, and, and that carries with it some flaws, right? Some biases, some inappropriate content, some dangerous content. Um, so, so from that sense, we have to be aware of what this programming language uh, was taught to do and, and, and was taught to think about. How do you think insurance companies will react as they write new policies? I think that there's not a huge difference between the way we needed to think about artificial intelligence you know, itself in terms of how to govern this technology, meaning, uh, it is not, you should not use it as a black box. Um, you need to think about, and I, I like the way Microsoft describes this as sort of a co-pilot, right? Uh, the pilot is still flying the plane. The pilot still has the final judgment as to what is safe and unsafe in terms of operation. Um, but the co-pilot is there to, to reduce the workload to an extra set of hands, you know, to work the radio. I mean, that's a good analogy for, for what um, GPT is, is capable of, but it is a co-pilot, not a pilot. And so the black box still has to be rejected by the enterprise, meaning you have to have application frameworks in place to deal with hallucination, um, to understand what data was used to make that decision at what time, who has been empowered to use this, this technology 
to perform part of their job and, 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 and what are the, the guardrails for that? Where can the enterprise's data be sent to and stored and, and used and leveraged uh, to make these decisions? So those are some new implications of this that have to be thought through for the enterprise to use this. You know, at, at Indico, we like to use the three S's, safely, securely, scalably, right? So you, you need a framework for understanding the three S's to use this technology. All right, folks, it is plug time. Folks, you can sponsor RimsCast. You can sponsor the weekly episode or a dedicated episode. We've produced sponsored episodes for many influential organizations in risk and insurance. Contact us at pd at rims.org to learn more about how you can sponsor RimsCast and reach the global risk management community. And folks, let me remind you about our upcoming virtual workshops. You can visit rims.org slash virtual workshops to see the full calendar. Applying and Integrating ERM will be held August 1st and 2nd by my good friend Ken Baker of Enterprise Risk Consulting. And we've got Optimizing Risk Management with Artificial Intelligence that will be led on September 28th by my friend Pat Saporito. More information about these sessions and others are on the Virtual Workshops page. See the full schedule, check it out, register. Let's talk about the RIMS CRMP exam prep. We've got one on July 19th and 20th. That's a two-day course from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. And on August 15th through the 17th, we've got an exam prep for the RIMS CRMP Fed. You can visit rims.org slash certification to find these workshops and future ones. A link is also on this episode's show notes, as is a link to the full virtual workshop calendar. And now let's get back to my interview with Tom Wild. Tom, something else I wanted to ask you about, because you have a, a very colorful background as a business leader, as an executive. How would you characterize your experience with risk managers or risk professionals? And if you want to start in the past and then work your way up to the present, that's fine. Yeah, I think there's there's two perspectives there. Um as a as a technology CEO, you have to learn to think through the way the enterprise thinks of risk, um, because they're not going to buy or implement your solution if it creates unacceptable risk, regardless of the of the benefit. So, um, just generically, as a technology CEO, I think a lot about how to minimize the risks of you know, deploying our product um, from a data protection standpoint, information security standpoint, um, change management standpoint. And so you know, those things have to be top of mind or you simply can't um, engage with, with the enterprise because you know, understandably, um, you know, they are risk averse and should be. Uh, in many cases, especially in the categories we work in, you're dealing with you know, PII and health data and things like that. So, you know, very serious uh, data protection requirements. And now with the the sort of things like GDPR and regional or, or national um, regulations around data security, um, you know, additional layers of, of thinking you have to do there to protect your client, you know, from being exposed to, to regulatory bodies like that. So that's the generic answer. I think more specifically, um, you know, when you think about... Uh, 
insurance and banking and, and risk managers there, um, a lot of times our application is being used by those folks to help them identify and quantify risk. So if you think about the world of unstructured data, a lot of what the auditors uh, try to do and what the risk managers try to do is consume and make sense of vast amounts of unstructured data, contracts, policies, documents, emails, um, and find the needles in the haystack, right? What are the patterns that suggest risky behavior um, or, or exposure that needs to be addressed? And so um, I've seen a huge uptick in risk management, wanting to embrace technology again, as a, as a bionic arm, not as a robot, right? No one's trying to turn this over to a robot to say, hey, identify all my risks. But as a, a bionic arm to, to allow a much faster and broader uh, perspective on potential uh, you know, threat vectors and, and, and exposures. And it, based on our previous conversation, it leads itself or it lends itself to the bigger philosophical question of just because you have this technology available, does it always mean you should use it? Should you make it available to everyone and give them all the same clearance and responsibilities, right? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a very noted uh, story that came out recently where a set of lawyers used ChatGPT to create um, you know, prior case uh, uh, representation to the to the court, right. and it turned out that ChatGPT had had fabricated those, right? And not not maliciously. It just you have to understand how how generative AI works. It, it the, the word generate, right? So it knows how to generate what looks like a good uh, uh, court case, but it doesn't understand that it's not supposed to make those up, right? That that's a very that's a very good illustration of the gap between you know, the way artificial intelligence works and the way humans work. Like I shouldn't, uh, as a human, I don't need to tell you, Hey, by the way, you can't, you can't fabricate one of these, right? Even if it looks good, you can't fabricate it. It's unspoken, right. but that's the kind of blind spots that, that artificial intelligence has, um, that as, as humans, we don't think about, you know, that that's implicit in, in how we think, but not in the way artificial intelligence thinks it is very, you know, rote. Again, it's been it's been taught, you know, very specifically or trained on very specific data and and uh, and outcomes. And only till we find those blind spots, we can fix them, right? But but until we we find them, they they uh, they they expose us to risk. So the question is, if you're using this to make decisions, how are you sure that those decisions are are quality, right? That they're not fabricated or hallucinated, um, and that they're complete? Because the opposite side is also true, by the way. Um, generative AI struggles with with a concept called recall, right? In, in the world I live in, we always think about recall and precision, right? Precision is, did what I, is what I gave you correct? And recall is, did I find all the possible answers I should have given you, right? All the possible data I should have presented. So you need to understand both recall and precision in, in, a, decision, in a decision world. Um, generative AI will make mistakes of recall and leave stuff off not knowing that it's supposed to be comprehensive. And when you ask ChatGPT, why did you not include that in your summary? As an example, this happened to me recently. I was, I was using ChatGPT to summarize uh, a survey I did of, of our employees. And I wanted to, it to summarize for me the, the survey results. And it came back and said, hey, here, here are the, the key elements from your survey results. 
And I knew there was, you know, a very important point missed. And I said, why did you leave this off? And ChatGPT said, oh, sorry, you're right. I should have included that. Well, I just knew to ask, right? So that's that's what I'm talking about, that we need to use these things to, to help us do our jobs better, but we need to continue to be, um, uh, uh, you know, critical thinkers in terms of, uh, uh, you know, be suspicious of, of uh, generative AI's confidence in the answers it brings. Fascinating. Now, with that in mind, what are some other major or emerging or evolving risks that you see in the market regarding AI and automation? And, and if you have other anecdotes about how it's impacting your daily work, I'd love to know about it. Well, I think let's, let's, let's talk about the sort of the intersection of automation and AI. I think the, the challenge with automation and AI is it allows you to make a bad process even worse, right? It means you can take a bad process and blow it out, you know, uh, much, much wider and, and more rapidly. So yeah. you need to be, be very focused on, are we automating a good process, right? So you need to start with that, that question is, is this a process that should be automated or is the process itself the problem? So that's an important uh, question to ask so that you don't create something that can magnify, you know, a bad process many times over very, very fast um, because it is capable of doing that. Um, you know, AI to me in, in, in ChatGPT, I always kind of describe it as, you know, a very intelligent parrot, right? And so, um, you know, a parrot is not born knowing Spanish, but a parrot can actually learn Spanish, right? So that's a, a good example of, of, of how to think about another way to, to think about this. So it's, these are very powerful tools, but but you have to, you know, it's like using a power saw, right? Like you need to know what you're doing or you could really hurt yourself. So um, again, that's that's the better metaphor for me. It's it's not, you know, it, it's not a, a complete house that pops out of the box, right? It's, it, it's a tool for building that house. All right. And earlier we were mentioning how you've been a CEO for quite some time for a couple of different organizations. What are some words of wisdom that you have out there for current and aspiring CEOs? You know, more than anything, you need to be, I mean, some people describe it as you need to be a sense maker. Um, I would say, you know, I would call that a storyteller. You know, both are kind of very similar concepts. To be a technology CEO, when you're dealing with the pace of innovation that we have in the market today, what your customers crave more than anything is for you to help them make sense of it, how to think about it correctly and, and rationally. They're desperate to, to do that for their internal constituents all the way up to the, the C-suite, right? And so you become a valuable partner. Of course, your product has to work and, and add value. You become a valuable partner as a CEO when, when you can help them make sense and when your storytelling helps them make sense. And, and by the way, that's true of your employees, of your investors. Your primary job as, as an early stage CEO is to create that narrative and then bring it to life. Tom, one other thing I wanted to speak with you about is that I've noticed just based on my own LinkedIn feed that a lot of my connections who are chief risk officers or high level risk executives are being elevated to CEO, which I think is, of course, very encouraging. What do you think is driving that? I think it is uh, uh, really notable. I, I think my reaction to it is perhaps being good at understanding risk makes you really good at taking bets because as a CEO, 
one of the key responsibilities you have is to is to make bets where you have incomplete information, understanding the downside and the upside. And it strikes me that risk professionals perhaps have a real advantage here because they're able to dimension the risks in front of them. They can make these bets more confidently and and you know with with perhaps better outcomes. Um, we are in a, a world now of you know some very high beta attributes operating around us: climate, economic, social. These are high beta factors that have to be understood when you're placing bets so that you know you don't inadvertently bet the whole company when you didn't mean to and also puts you in a position to take advantage of opportunities that emerge you know from from the sort of the macro elements surrounding all of us as as business leaders Special thanks to Tom Wild for joining me today. That was a lot of fun. I've got more links to RIM's coverage of AI and automation on this episode's show notes. Let's talk, folks. You can sponsor a RIMSCast episode either on our publicly facing weekly show, that's this show, or with a dedicated episode. RIMSCast has produced special episodes for JB Boda, The Hartford, Alliant, Zurich. Highwire, AXA XL, Prudent Insurance Brokers, High Trust, and Aon. Links to sponsored episodes are on our show notes. Rimscast has a global audience comprised of risk and insurance professionals, legal professionals, students, business leaders, C-suite executives, and more. Let's collaborate and help you reach them. Contact pd at rims.org for more information. Let's talk about RIMS membership, folks. Become a RIMS member and get access to the tools, thought leadership, and network you need to succeed. Visit rims.org membership or email membershipdept at rims.org for more information. The RIMS app is a benefit of membership and it is available only for RIMS members. You can find it in the App Store. And let's also talk about risk knowledge. This is the RIMS searchable content library that provides relevant information for today's risk professionals. Available materials include RIMS executive reports, survey findings, contributed articles, industry research, benchmarking data, and more. For the best reporting on the profession of risk management, check out Risk Management Magazine, the Society's official monthly publication. You can find this on rmmagazine.com and in print. Visit riskmanagementmonitor.com. That's the Society's official blog. My name is Justin Smullison, Business Content Manager here at RIMS. You can email me at content at rims.org. I want to thank you all for your continued support and engagement on social media channels like LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. We appreciate all your kind words. We wish you all to be safe and healthy and unharmed. We have more insightful and exciting RIMSCast episodes coming to you every week. Thank you again and stay safe. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at Indico Data on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day, Automated.